we are not in the information age anymore. I was on a podcast with the co-founder of Wikipedia and he classified it as the misinformation age. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about all things content, most importantly, interactive content. Everybody's living on the web, everybody's living in Zoom, everybody's consuming things digitally. And so we wanna see if there are ways to make them more effective, more interactive, and to help us, we have with us Saksham Sharda, Creative Director at Outgrow.co, that's Outgrow.co. Saksham, thank you so much for taking the time and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chad. Excellent. So we always start with an icebreaker. I know on yours, you have that rapid fire <laughs> list of questions, yeah. which actually I'm probably, I'm going to be honest, I'm probably going to steal at some point. I, I will credit <laughs> it. I'll credit it back to you, but it was so much fun yeah. uh, that I thought, you know what, we, we should do something like that eventually as well. But for now, I'm always interested in giving our audience kind of an understanding of who you are outside of the work environment. So really curious to know something that you're passionate about that our audience might be surprised to learn if they only knew you through you know, digital profiles and business types of things. Well, to give a real shocker, I have a PhD in Shakespeare. <laughs> no, you don't. Do you really? <laughs> I do. Uh, but I'm not passionate about Shakespeare. The PhD was mostly about, so it was about marketing Shakespeare films. So I was just trying to show in the PhD how old culture is really hard to market in a modern market and what kind of, uh, you know, encumbrances it faces from like the state, the, you know, politics, because they want to preserve it, whereas it's not accessible to young people because, you know, no one really understands Shakespeare anymore. So how do you even market something like that? So, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I was, a, I was an English major as an undergrad uh, and I had a teacher who... I forget how many lines it was. We had to, part of her shtick was we had to memorize something like 250 lines and recite it back in 50 line increments with exact pronunciation, intonation, and, and wow. all of that. <laughs> uh, it left an impression. I'm not sure it's a great impression, but it left an impression, uh, that little experience on me as well. So always, always interested to find someone who's looking back at the, some of those classics and trying to make them more accessible because you're right. And yeah. I don't know a lot of people who love sitting around listening to Shakespeare today. For sure. And that's what got me into marketing in the first place. Because initially, I was just like, this is not a cultural issue, as is everything in, well, I don't want to say capitalism, but in the modern market, it's a marketing issue. The fact that these Shakespeare films are not performing well has got nothing to do with like culture or like popular culture or like you know not popular culture but it's just pure marketing so that's how i got into it so yeah and so that phd <laughs> led you somehow some way <laughs> to, to outgrow.co so tell us about that journey well we go from shakespeare phd to creative director at outgrow how, how did that happen well, yeah, then again, it's, it's, it's easy to say Shakespeare PhD because that's like a good shocker that I would like. <laughs> like to, but you're marketing Shakespeare PhD. So there was already some things happening. And then I met a friend at a bar 
Uh, and then he was just like, oh, so why don't you start working for Outgrow? Because like, the idea behind the thesis was like very marketing oriented. So he was really interested in that. So initially I was just working like in social media and then we started like, I started doing other things and then I went to partnerships. And now like I've been there for like three years and now I'm the creative director. Yeah. <laughs> and so for, for the audience, um, give us a little bit of background, a little bit of context on what it is that Outgrow.co does. So using Outgrow, anyone can very easily create interactive content such as, you know, contests, polls, quizzes, surveys, calculators, uh, e-commerce recommendations like you'd see on Amazon where you, they ask you a couple of questions and they recommend you a particular sunglass that you can wear or a particular makeup set that you should apply. So you can just build that on Outgrow without, you know, coders or developers. In addition to that, you can also build assessments and chatbots to interact with your existing customers and prospects in an engaging way. So, so that's all, that's kind of like the wide gambit of what Outgrow can do. And especially for B2B businesses, I think it's really helpful because unlike B2C, it's really hard for you to show what your long-term value will be because you're not actually handing a product to your audience or to your customer. You're handing them a service or something that's going to give long-term value. And how are you going to show them that? And you can do that using interactive tools that you know show their return of investment over time infographically in a graph so you can do that so i think that's where outgrow is very helpful because i just think there's too much information out there and it's really hard for people to buy from like you know b2b companies well, and that's a lot i mean that's a lot of things that that you just <laughs> kind of listed off there right it's, it's a long list of things that people spend a lot of time and a lot of money trying to figure out how to put it together uh, not mm-hmm. only to build it, but then there's the whole strategic part of it. Like, do I need, do I have something where a calculator would be beneficial or am I in a place where polls are going to be more effective? Mm-hmm. When we talk about interactive content, there's a whole bunch of different ways uh, to kind of activate that word interactive. I'm curious from, from your perspective and Outgrow's perspective, when you're looking for, I'm going to use the word modularizing, and I'm not sure that's the right one, but platforming this type of content creation. What is it when you think interactive that you're focused on? Is there a specific outcome you're trying to get to or what's that process look like? Well, so the basic interaction I would say would be like you need to oppose it to something that doesn't interact. And so the basic opposition here would be static content. So, you know, you go on a website and all you can do there is just read like, you know, paragraphs and paragraphs about what they do, what service (laughs) they provide. And that would have been fine during the dot-com boom, like when, you know, all this website started going up, maybe that was fine back then. But then what happened was we are not in the information age anymore. I would like, I was on a podcast with the uh, co-founder of Wikipedia and he classified it as the misinformation age. And I think someone else has once classified it as the disinformation age, (laughs) but in short, the late part of the information age. And uh, the key thing here is that there is too much content. There's just too much content and add to that, that if it's true or if it's not true, it doesn't matter. There's a general uh, understanding that everyone has a short attention span. (laughs) with the zeitgeist that everyone thinks they have a short attention span short attention spans are cool or that's where we're heading towards either way key thing is static content applied with uh short attention spans gives you like you know basically 
two seconds for which someone's going to be on your website. And if you don't capture their attention, they're gone. So I think interactive content, what it does is, and this is why like, I can't say it of all businesses in general, but what I'm trying to say is like, if, if someone has a business in a particular industry, so I'm going to give you like an example, a short example, but, but before I give the example, key thing is if someone has a business in a particular industry, uh, they would have the expertise to know exactly how they can use interactive content. Like I wouldn't even like, there are no tips or tricks. Like they know exactly how to use it because they have the specialization in that field. They know what four questions they need to ask their users in order to give them personalized value within like, you know, a minute. And so that is how you can do it. So for, for example, say on a lawyer's website, uh, the primary call to action is just contact me. Right. So you're very less likely to click on that because there's like a ton of other lawyers with the same information and the same call to action. Now imagine there's a lawyer who's very well versed in what he's doing and he's, he very well understands his clientele. So he puts a widget on his website that doesn't say contact me. Instead, it says, see how much I can save you in legal fees. And then it asks a couple of questions, two or three questions. He just needs, because he's the expert in this field, right? He just asks, needs to ask a couple of questions that data is taken in and a very valuable result is given either infographically or like in numbers or like in graphs. So, you know, so that is the value that's being provided. So that's how interactive content helps. Well, and what's interesting is there's a key word there and that's valuable to the individual, mm-hmm. right? So the value becomes mm-hmm. almost the hook, if you think about it. Yes. I need something from this person. It needs to be a demonstration of what they can do and or provide for me. And as a result, that then would hopefully <laughs> increase my attention span. Not sure it always works, but uh, <laughs> that's the goal, right? Is, is to make sure. So how, uh, you know, when, when somebody's using out, outgrow, do they go into the platform and they say, okay, well, here's everything in front of me. And it's like this, you know, huge list of things that I could do, or is, does the, does the platform actually walk them through kind of a thought process to determine what's going to be most effective for them? Or do you, do you offer services to help them get to that point? Wow. You just summed it up for me. All three of them are possible. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually, that's our strategy. There's all three possible. So if some, so a one has to understand that it's a drag and drop tool and what we are trying to bring. And this is the, <laughs> this is the philosophy that I have too. Cause like people are always like, Oh, you should learn coding. Cause it's going to be helpful. I'm just like, if humanity was so good at coding, which it claims to be, then they must have invented no code tools that allow you to code without coding. And that's exactly what a software does to me. It's just, like it's not important that you understand the internet or how it works or you know how to code all you need to do is to be an expert in your field like the lawyer i told you about yep. or you know the real estate broker or anyone you need to be an expert in your field you come on outgrow you will see yourself getting creative because you have no obstacles. If you want to start from scratch, you can go on the builder, you can start from scratch. If you don't have the time, then you can go to our examples page and there are more than like 2000 templates for 21 different industries. And you can just pick a template, customize it, you know, edit the colors, you know, change the colors, put your logo on, uh, edit the questions to add a question that you think is relevant or delete some questions that you don't think are relevant and then put it on your website, test it out. It doesn't work. It only took you an hour to actually take this live. So, you know, it's no, it's no waste of time. And third, if you really don't have the time, then we also give you like a plan with which we help you out to build something. So yeah, it's totally possible. All three of them. And so, I mean, there's still a lot there that somebody would have to ideally understand. And I'm curious if you think about, you know, use the example of a lawyer's office, how, how large up of an enterprise or organization 
do you feel like the platform's ready to be used by? Because I think what I guess what I'm getting at is if you think about a lawyer's office, all right, maybe there's two or three partners involved and there's maybe mm-hmm. some some level of approval and they probably the lawyers themselves probably won't get what's going on anyway. So it's really gonna be more to the marketing people, but it's a smaller team where that that thought process has to take place. You get into something that's a little bit larger, even SMB and Oh, forget about enterprise. The decision-making process can become quite convoluted. How does that, does the simplicity of the platform, the drag and drops and the multiple options that we have to put this together, does that actually facilitate a faster internal decision process, decision-making process, or does it make it more challenging, do you think? And, and at what size and what type of organizations do you see kind of those breakpoints? So we have like huge enterprise level customers as well. So I think the point is the software is very versatile. So it's it's totally possible for an enterprise to get on there and hasten its process of getting things approved while at the same time a small or media business to get on there and have competitive advantage over an enterprise because they don't actually have to go through all those departments at all. So right, you know, one person can go and outgrow, he can make something, he can test it out for a small or medium business, they can totally do this, and they'd be totally okay. But at the same time, an enterprise also also has an advantage because the key, I think, one of the key issues is that, you know, there's too many departments to go through, right? The one you're doing, there's too much <laughs> yeah. bureaucracy uh, to get something approved. And I usually use that when I go on, you know, SMB podcast to, 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 <laughs> to, to tell how Outgrow can help, uh, like, you know, take the, uh, help these people against enterprises because they have too many departments to go through. But we have enterprise customers, like we have all sorts of uh, like across the board. And I think in both cases, it's totally possible because uh, we do comply with like all the data privacy laws. So, and, and if, if an enterprise signs up, uh, they don't usually just uh, buy the plan. They have an option to just like contact a sales executive and then they're just going through all the processes required to actually like you know implement this on their website uh, we've worked with national geographic we have worked with all sorts of uh, big websites and you know uh, i think it works for like across the board even for freelancers <laughs> <laughs> well i mean anything that's going to make you know something simpler i mean you're talking about a very complex uh, topic. I mean, it, just the mm-hmm. word content, then you throw the word interactive. The minute you get two words strung together, people start to interpret it in different ways. And, it, and depending on their experience level or their insight, their understanding of how it all plays together, it can be a bit overwhelming. That simplicity to the user is not simple to create right? It is one of those things where people think, oh, well, this is easy. It shouldn't cost much. But yeah, right. Simplicity is not cheap because it takes so much focus to get to that point. Have you seen customers get to a point where they're, I, I want to say maybe they have, they have too many things they can choose from. So they go a little bit overboard on the, hey, let's try a little of this and a little of that. Do they get excited with how simple and easy it is? Or do you find that they're a little bit more measured and a little bit more uh, strategic in their approach to using the platform? We've seen like, cause again, because we have like five different pricing tiers, which would again be like something confusing, right? Because one doesn't know what to choose. <laughs> but that's again, where a software like ours can be used because we have, for instance, an idea generator on our website. So you don't know what you can do without Grow. So you go on our website, the widget asks you five questions, and then it tells you what you can do with Outgrow. Similarly, uh, any B2B business can use Outgrow to build a pricing plan recommender, 
where on their pricing page, they have a simple widget that says, not sure which plan you want to choose, answer these few questions. And then, you know, it asks two or three questions and then it recommends a particular plan. But of what you're saying also about like, you know, how we have made it simple over the years, because it's taken time. Because, you know, I, I get like when I first came to this company, I was just like, yes, we need to make it simpler because like, you know, it can be from within the field, it might seem that, you know, oh, okay, we understand what this is. But from without the field, from outside the field, it's it's probably very complex. But over time, we have like, one of the things we've learned is to like, listen to customers, which I think <laughs> it's not something you learn, but you should always do. So uh, a lot of the great things that have like the great ideas that have come have come from customers because like I have some of the phrases in which a customer customer of ours described how interactive content helps his uh, B2B business. So this is what he said, because I have this like, for my podcast interviews, I keep these sentences because this is the best anyone has ever described it. He said that B2, uh, they can help you guide, Outgrow can, or interactive content can help you guide clients through complex intakes, intake procedures at their own pace and in their own time. And also it can increase the time people spend on your site and give them a great user experience and user flow. Like I'm literally quoting him here. And then finally, he also said, it can help present data in an infographic way that helps it sync better into audiences. So, you know, this is all the things the software can do. And uh, this is coming from our customers. So like, you know, yeah. I mean, that's when you think about what it takes to create content in a way that it was also going to be frictionless from an experiential experiential standpoint, right? Because I've seen, I mean, we've all seen websites where you go and it's, it's like you just accidentally stepped into a slot machine. There's a little chat box that pops up and then there's this like blinking, like, hey, I got a calculator over here. And oh, there's this video running in the center of it. And it's, it's very dystopian in its distraction yeah. and, and not particularly pleasant. So there's not only the strategic aspect of how do I figure out what create uh, interactive content is going to be the best for me, but then also how to deploy it. And mm-hmm. I'm curious if you've seen what ways you've seen people deploy it most effectively. So again, like we never encourage like, yeah, the, the, the kind of dystopian website that you talk about, right? <laughs> that's, that's terrible. Like, cause when I end up there, I'm just like, why, why would they do that? Pop-ups like not at all. Like I would never encourage a pop-up. Like it's pretty bad, but anywho, I'd give you an example. Like if you go to neilpatel.com, like the first thing, like it's empty. Everything is empty. It's like the opposite of the dystopia you're describing. Everything is empty, but there's just one widget that says check out uber suggests that is the key interactive tool that he's selling or that he uh, you know uses to help people so so i think a lot of our clients have benefited from like having a very uh, simple minimalistic approach and just wa- having one key widget on their homepage because the point is as people go through these widgets like the, like a particular widget or an applet that an interactive applet or widget, uh, they are able to be, you know, sectioned off into where they actually want to go. So that widget can actually direct them where they want to go and it can direct them to some other part of your website. So you don't need to have like so many things happening at the same time. And another thing that people can do with Outgrow, which we've seen a lot of B2B businesses doing is 
rapid A-B testing. Like they do it all the time. They're like, let's A-B test these two widgets. They duplicate, like if they build an interactive content piece, they duplicate it and they make some changes. They test that out. They test this one out. They see which one's better and they can do all of this through the analytics section of Outgrow. So they're able to see which one performs better because it's just so easy to duplicate them and to see which one performs better. And this is much better than, you know, just having 16 widgets on your website, you know, just have one, but make sure it's the one that won the whole competition. <laughs> <laughs> and well, and A-B testing is one of those things I think more people should be doing more of, right? We have the technology, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's at least one thing that technology is good at. So, <laughs> so like let's A-B test it and figure out what works because really it's, if people lose sight of the fact that the tech, things like A-B testing, are there really to drive or accelerate personal connection? Right. I want to give something, somebody something that's valuable to them to potentially get to a situation where we're having a conversation. That's ideally in vast majority of cases, unless it's a transactional type of website. That, that's where we want to go, especially in B2B, right? Have those conversations. The tech can make that happen faster if you don't hide behind it or mm-hmm. if you don't get lazy with it. And I have, I've seen too many instances where, for reasons that I can't comprehend, People aren't taking advantage of these different ways of determining what is going to be the best possible experience for your prospects and or customers through their entire buying journey. And mm-hmm. I think then coming up with a content, interactive content strategy at each stage, somebody who's maybe not aware and not interested in what you're doing, how do I attract them? What's interactive? What can I provide to them to increase their awareness of us? And now, okay, now they're aware of us. Mm-hmm. What can I do to get them engaged in a little bit deeper conversation so that maybe that awareness turns into interest? And now I get them to you know, the top right of, a, of kind of an empathy map, which is, you know, hey, I want high interest, high awareness. I want somebody who wants to do business with me approaching that content strategy, that's a big ask for a lot of people. And so curious if you have any best practices or things that you would recommend aside from, you know, simplicity and A-B testing, things that you've just think people are missing that are really obvious, easy fixes. Well, what I feel is like, cause, cause my answer to like, <laughs> not because I'm being paid to do it. <laughs> but, <laughs> Because to me, it's just like, it's not that interactive because my answer to like this entire quandary would be again, interactive content. Like, you know, I would come back and say, oh, the answer to this dilemma that the user is facing is again, interactive content because because this entire process can be streamlined by just understanding that between the eight types of interactive content uh, that you see on our website, like a quiz, a calculator, a poll, an assessment, a chatbot, a form or a survey, an e-commerce recommendation. I don't know whether I've taken the names of seven. I just did it from my memory. <laughs> but, <laughs> but And there's an eighth, the contest. I think these are eight fundamental. I think these are, these are based on uh, eight fundamental marketing, I would say, instincts. So using either one of these or a combination of these, I think these problems can be addressed. And that is my answer to it. But repeat the question. Like I'm like that. Oh, no, 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 no. This is great. That's, that's part yeah. of fun, right? Never know where it's, where it's going to go. <laughs> the, the, the curious thing for me is like when you think about those kind of best practices and those, those approaches to not going mm-hmm. overboard. Cause I, I mean, I'll be the first person to admit you give me a dashboard or a drag and drop interface. And I'm like a kid in a candy store, not yeah. necessarily good thing. I'm going to have a sugar rush eventually and get annoyed, but I'm going to, Oh, look at all these things I can play with. But 
staying in the mindset of I have to think about the journey my prospect and or uh, buyer mm-hmm. is on, that also is a lens through which we have to ensure that the content we're producing is, is valuable at different stages in their journey. And I'm curious, having not seen um, not having not seen the platform, is it broken up into, hey, we would recommend these types of interactive content for somebody you're trying to attract, this type of content you're trying to get someone, you know, a little bit deeper in? You know, is it segmented that way? Or are there things that work better at each of those stages through the buying journey? Okay, I see what you mean. But yeah, again, because <laughs> I lost tra- track of my thought earlier. But yeah, so the eight kinds that I was talking about would work in all these situations. But yes, if you do go on our website, and you don't know what to do, like, so say, for instance, a B2B business wants to generate leads, whereas another one wants to just qualify leads, whereas a third one wants to just segment leads. And then there's a fourth one that that just wants to reactivate all leads. Right. So if you want to do any of these four things, uh, you can just go on a website and uh, there is a widget out there that uh, lets you pick from these reasons, like, you know, one of these reasons, and then it recommends a particular interactive content to you. So it is actually a part of our onboarding. So it does ask you, because the whole onboarding is interactive. So it actually asks you what you want to do. Do you want to increase engagement with your prospects? Do you want to educate your prospects? Uh, do you want to gamify your website? You can actually do all of this. So it's totally possible to actually segment it further. But what I was trying to say earlier was, even in all these cases, what we are still using is eight fundamental types of interactive content, which we sometimes mix together to make something more complex. And, uh, and, but, but within these eight, it's totally possible to, uh, to do all of those steps that you're talking about here. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests kind of two standard questions at the end of each interview. Mm-hmm. As a creative director, that means you're a prospect for a lot of people out there. <laughs> so I'm sure there are a lot of people trying to get your attention. Always curious to know if somebody doesn't have a trusted referral into you, somebody that says, hey, here, you should talk to this person. What works the best for you when somebody's trying to capture your attention and earn the right to time on your calendar? Hmm. So I think... Uh... The shortness of the email would be really helpful. <laughs> so the shorter it is, the more likely I am to respond. I think that would be a key thing. And uh, no, I think conciseness, then I would say, yeah, not just the shortness, but the conciseness. So if you get the idea across in maximum two lines, because I am going to have someone do research on you anyway, but like if you just get the idea across to me in two lines without telling me too much about your company, I don't really need to know. I just need to know. I just need to... I just need to know the name because then we will have someone do research on it. All you have, I think that would be the key thing, the conciseness of the approach. Yeah. I love it. Love it. It's all, and you know what? Conciseness (laughs) takes time. A lot of people just have a tendency to open up an email and and throw up in there and hopes that it hits, you know, (laughs) something connects. So I think it's very important for people to spend, spend time to show the respect for the individuals they're prospecting to and, and, maintain that conciseness, execute that uh, conciseness. It does make a huge difference. All right. So last question, we call it our acceleration insight. There was one thing you could tell sales, marketing, or professional services people, one piece of advice that if they listen to, uh, you believe would help them achieve, if not exceed their targets, what would it be and why? Okay, so the one piece of advice, which I think a lot of people are already doing because the economy is driving us towards it by itself. And I think that's collaboration. I think collaboration is 
key to what your product was meant to be. It's not meant to be a product. It's meant to be a service. And when you start looking at services, not just, you're not just providing service to one person, but you're providing him all the kinds of services possible in the entire spectrum of whatever you know. So like, you know, if you have a, another, another person that you know who you can collaborate with in order to help your client, another company you can collaborate with in order to help your client, you should probably collaborate with that company. So I think collaboration and looking at what you're selling as really a service, truly a service, and just trying to help the customer is the one advice I would give. And I think this is something <laughs> you talked about on my podcast. Because <laughs> I'm just like, where did I think of this from? Was it from, was it from you? <laughs> it, it may but, have yeah. been some, it sounds, it sounds familiar, but it's, I mean, it's like, I think it's a great concept, you know, in general, right? It's just, there's yeah. so many, so many people let their brains get filled up with crap instead of being thinking creatively and thinking with precision. So I'm it's just all, all of it is, is goodness in my opinion. So if a listener is interested and talking more about these topics or learning more about you or Outgrow, where's the primary place you want us to send them? Website, you on LinkedIn, what works the best? Well, they can claim a special coupon code for Outgrow with a 20% discount if they just go to outgrow.co forward slash B2BR. Outgrow.co forward slash B2BR. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, you heard it there, everybody. Go get your 20% and give it a shot. Saksham, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you again and have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Chad. All right, everybody. That does it for this episode. You know the drill. B2BRevExec.com. Friends, family, coworkers, let your kids listen to it. Instead of watch more screen time, they don't need it. <laughs> Until next time, we wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.